0: Well, thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. Our text is is from Luke chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 16 to 20. So what a joy, again, it is to be here with you this morning celebrating our Savior. This week, we'll be wrapping up our our Advent series we've called Away in a Manger. Over the last few weeks, we've been walking through the beginning of Luke chapter 2 and looking at the manger through the eyes of the people who were there or not there, as it were. We started with Joseph, then moved to the innkeeper, the shepherds, the angels, and this morning we'll be spending some time with Mary. Our text this morning again is Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 20. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to flip there now. If you do not have your Bibles with you, but prefer the tangible feel of the text in your hands, there should be a Bible on the back of the pew in front of you. The words will also be on the screens beside me when the time comes just to catch us up, Mary and Joseph have arrived in Bethlehem and there's no room for them at the inn. So they were relegated to a manger where Mary gives birth to Jesus. Unbeknownst to them, shepherds have been minding their own business out in the fields when an angel appeared to them telling of the birth of the Messiah. Soon the whole sky is filled with angels singing praises to God. The shepherds Followed the instructions of the angels that night, and that is where we will pick up with our text this morning. If you're able, I encourage you to stand for the reading of the word. Luke chapter 2, verses 16 to 20. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name, amen. You may be seated. In 1984, Mark Lowry wrote what would become an incredibly famous, if somewhat controversial, Christmas song. The lyrics evolved from a series of questions that Lowry scripted for a Christmas program at his church. Though the lyrics were written in 1984, they didn't receive music until 1991 and then the song was originally recorded by Michael English on his self-titled debut album. It has since been covered a plethora of times, Lowry himself covering it most notably on the Gaither Vocal Band's 1998 album, Still the Greatest Story Ever Told. The song is not without its controversies. Some have accused the song of being sexist, that it mansplains the life of Jesus to his own mother. Some would argue that the song falls short theologically. And while I think the first line of concern is more a reaction of our present culture, there is some validity in the second concern, depending on how you view the intent behind the questions in the lyrics. Though I would argue that Mary did not know all the twists and turns that Jesus' life would take. She knew who he ultimately big picture was. But that does not mean that she understood all of what God had in store for her or for him. There are things she knew and there are things she didn't, but at the end of the day, who wouldn't want to sit down and ask Mary the rhetorical questions asked in the song, Mary, did you know? I thought about that song quite a bit this week as I sat in our text this morning. Mary's been on quite the journey. Now, we know she wasn't exactly a normal girl because of all the young women in Israel. She's the one that God chooses to bear his son. So there's something different about Mary, but that doesn't mean that she was ready for the life, her life to be turned upside down by the visitation of an angel. We find that story in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 20, or 38, where we read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now that's a lot to take in for a 14-year-old. The steps are in motion for her to be the mother of the Son of God, the joy she must have felt. God's promises are true, and he will be using her to fulfill them, to bring them about in the world, and the fear and anxiety and alarm she must have felt. What would this mean for her and Joseph? What would this mean for their life together, for her reputation? What would this mean for her future? We talked on the first Sunday that we celebrated Advent of all that Joseph went through, the choices that he had to make regarding Mary. And so we know that Mary's journey wasn't an easy one either. Sure, she gets more accolades, but that doesn't mean it was easy to be thought of as an adulteress, a promise breaker. That doesn't mean that it was easy to be thought of as unfaithful. Oh, how the gossip wheels must have been turning. The little angel, the most moral of us all, has a dark side. She couldn't keep the most important of her promises, a little scamp. She had people whispering behind her back about how she had failed, how she had disappointed her family, her future husband, her God. Stories were told around the well as women gathered water and at the bar as men drank their wine of the unfaithfulness of Mary. All of this, and she hadn't even been unfaithful. She'd been faithful to Joseph and the promises made to him But even more importantly, she had been faithful, continued to be faithful to God. What they saw as an act of sin was a sign of her faithfulness. And to know that the rumors were running around behind your back? No thank you. And then she has to get on a donkey for a long trip to Bethlehem. I don't know how many of you have been on road trips with very pregnant women, but I don't recommend it. The baby growing in their womb compresses the bladder, right, to a pretty amazing degree. That's something I'm convinced that the people who decided however far apart rest stops should be on the highway didn't take into account. Road tripping with a pregnant woman is a long and tedious process, and that's from my perspective. I'm not the one scanning the horizon for the next sign of a bathroom and praying for mercy every time we hit a bump on the road. And then to think of making the long, arduous trip on the back of a donkey. Nah, man. Like, Mary didn't have it easy. This was not a pleasant experience for her. And then they finally arrive in Bethlehem. And she just wants to be somewhere warm, somewhere safe. She just wants to be somewhere that she can bring her son into the world safely. And she's told there's no room in those places. And she's relegated with Joseph and her baby to the barn to the stable, the place the animals find shelter. What an insane and crazy journey Mary took ever since the night she is visited by that angel. And then the time comes, and, and she has the child, and she lays him in the manger. And right about the time, she just wants to go to sleep because she's absolutely exhausted. A bunch of dirty strangers, a bunch of shepherds show up, invading the privacy of the moment. They say that they've been minding their own business when the skies filled with angels and proclaim that a Savior had been born this night. That the Messiah they had waited their entire lives for, that generations had been sitting in hopeful, hopeful expectation of, had come. And that they would find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds told of how their ears were still ringing from the angel's song of glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those upon whom his favor rests. And then after seeing Jesus, they leave to tell others of all that had happened that night. And our text tells us that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We do a lot of storing up of treasures during this Christmas season. Karen and I took the boys uh, to Diker Heights in Brooklyn this week so that we could see the extravagant and often completely over-the-top decorations that some people put on their houses in that particular area of Brooklyn. And it was fun. But it was really fun to be together as a family, to get on the bus and walk through the city. Ride the train, eat the pizza, enjoy not just the lights, but the moments, the memories together. Booing and eyeing over the ridiculous decorations, laughing together, teasing each other. Spending time in each other's company. Were there arguments? You bet. Did Dad get frustrated at points? No doubt. Would I do it all again? Absolutely. Maybe not next year. But I'd do it all again. During this season, we we do things, we have our traditions, we eat certain foods and participate and partake in in certain activities so that we can make memories, but also so that we can remember. Last night, we spent time by candlelight singing the songs of the season. Soon presents will be opened, gifts will be exchanged, we'll tell each other that we love each other in different ways, through different means, and all of it is storing up treasures, memories that we ponder in our hearts. And so on some level, I can begin to understand what Mary was doing. As a parent, I have gone through the motions that she is going through. And so on some level, some very basic level, I can relate to the pondering that she is doing in her heart. And on a deeper level, I am continually convicted of the reality that I should never stop sitting with Mary in her pondering. For she was pondering not just her son, but the Son of God. I get the reasons that people struggle with the song, Mary, Did You Know? But personally, I love it. I try not to get wrapped up in the controversies as much as I love to sit in the questions and the implied answers. Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That this child that you delivered would soon deliver you? Ultimately, yes, Mary knew the answers to these questions the angel had told her. But sit in the implications of those questions for a minute. Ponder with Mary the deep hope and promise that was given to us that night. She had no way of knowing all the things that would take place in Jesus' life or her life. Was she expecting a political savior like the rest of Israel? Did she know that Jesus was going to break the walls of their expectations? that he wouldn't be exactly what the people of Israel wanted, but that he would be so much more. I don't know. I would argue, based off of how she responded to him at times later in life, that she understood some of it, but didn't truly grasp all of it, which is completely understandable and expected. But sit with a mother in a manger all those years ago, seeing the face of her son and how people were responding to him, and sit in the hope that child would bring The promises that would be fulfilled by his hands. This this little boy, the one that you delivered, would soon deliver you. She knew that Jesus would save her. The angel told her and the shepherds this, but did she know, did she realize that this child would not save just Israel, but the world? Did she know that the child she delivered would deliver all of us? Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Do we? It's been a joy for me this week, so encouraging for me to sit with Mary in Bethlehem and recognize all that our God has done for us. All that He has done for me. To sit with Mary and ponder the treasures that God has given to us. To sit again in the knowledge that the child born this night in Bethlehem would grow into a man that would be the Savior of the world. That Jesus, the Son of God, would teach us and eat with us. That He would heal us and cast out our demons. And for all the good that he did, for all the pain that he healed, we still struggled with him. We still betrayed him. We still denied him. And so we sent him up a hill with a tree over his shoulders. And with that tree, he carried not just the weight of the lumber, but the sins of the world, your sin, my sin. Every time we've doubted, every time we've failed, every time we've run, every time we've had idols, every time we've lashed out at someone we love or someone we struggle with. Every time we've slipped and fallen into vices and every time we have sought them out. Jesus took all of it and and the Bible tells us that there on the cross our sin was imputed to him. It was given to him and so the sinless one, the perfect one took our sin upon himself and there on the cross he died for it paying the price that we could not. But he did not stay dead. Three days later he rose from the grave defeating sin and death and when we believe in him and we trust him In Him, when we rest in the faith that He has given us, all the promises of God are realized. Through faith, we live in the fruits of forgiveness. Through faith, the dirty rags of our sin are taken from us and we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Through faith, God has adopted us into His family and called us co-heirs with His Son. Through faith, we are saved. This is the promise the angel told to Mary and to Joseph. This is the promise the angel sang of. This is our hope. And it's good for us to sit in it, to treasure these memories, to be reminded of them again and again, because in the hustle and bustle of life, the ups and downs, the victories and the defeats, it is so easy, such a simple thing, to forget or overlook or take for granted all that Christ has done for us. So at this time, I've asked Dixie, Eddie, Matt, and Michelle to come up and sing, Mary, did you know? As we recognize And as we recognize that on some level, Mary knew the answers to many of these questions, may we also recognize that it is just as healthy for us, just as important for us to sit in the implied answers as it was for Mary all those years ago.
1: you'll That your baby boy would give sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby? One day rule the nation Did you know?
0: What hope we have in the realization of those questions? May we sit with Mary in the awestruck wonder of all that God has done and all that He will do. Church, it's been a wonderful Christmas season. We've had times of laughter and joy, and times of sorrow and mourning. But through it all, the promises of our God remain true. The coming of our Savior points to that and reminds us of that. May we ponder that in our hearts as we continue to look forward to the time when he will come again. I pray that the rest of this season is life-giving to you. I pray that it would be a wonderful time of treasuring memories, but may this also be a time of treasuring your faith in the promises that God has given to us. May be a time of resting, not just in what has already happened, but in what will one day come to pass. What a fantastic, gracious, merciful, and loving God we serve.